are listening to KC Sports Network. Proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in possible. Coming up, Benny Heisler brings you the latest episode of Benny and the Bets, the sports betting show here at KC Sports Network. From props to spreads and everything in between, your sports betting show focused on our local teams is right here. So let's begin the show. What is good, everybody? Welcome in. This is Benny and the Bets. Ben Heisler with you. I will introduce my guest of the day, Luis Miguel Echegaray, in just a second, because this is somebody that I have had a lot of excitement in bringing on. I always say that there's there's two rules of thumb. Uh, I should say three rules of thumb. The first is that you always mention your sponsor. Uh, We are presented by the good folks over at PXG. Very excited to be able to be working with them for this upcoming season. Got the set of clubs right here. They're going to be a part of our KCSN golf tournament and some really exciting promotions coming up. If I can hit a ball with PXG clubs, I guarantee you can hit them as well. That's the first part. There are two components of betting that I always feel is important to address. The first is that you don't know what you don't know. The second part is it's always good to talk to people that do know. And Luis Miguel is one of those people when it comes to the world of football, when it comes to the world of soccer, uh, always enjoy his both love and passion for the game and the enthusiasm that he shares it with viewers on ESPN. So you can check out his work over at ESPN, at ESPN FC, ESPN UK, ESPN Deportes. He's been popping up all over the place on SportsCenter. The man is everywhere. And I think soccer fans all over the country and internationally have become much smarter as a result of Luis Miguel. So great to see you, my friend. It's good to uh, see your face, get to finally catch up after a couple of years. How have you been enjoying everything now with the Worldwide Leader? Well, first of all, Benny, I appreciate the intro, man. I feel like you should be my agent. That was that was excellent. I, I feel very excited about all those things that are going on. And I apologies to anybody that has to watch my ugly mug on SportsCenter, usually twice or three times a week. But it's an honor to be here. I'm, I'm having an absolute blast um, ESPN is my dream place to work at, and I'm just I'm just loving every minute of it. Do you ever kind of have pitch me moments, given that um, not just for where you continue to to grow and evolve as a broadcaster, as a writer, as an analyst, but uh, now to be able to to share that love at arguably the the biggest central hub when it comes to sports content, it must kind of be a mind blowing opportunity at times. I mean, definitely. I don't take it for granted, right? Everybody knows, definitely people, you know, young journalists, all the way up to veterans. We know how difficult it can be to break into this industry, this ever fast changing industry, specifically digitally. So I never take it for granted. And and, and like you said, I, I, I'm very, I'm trying to think of the best word, but I'm honored and I'm privileged and I'm so grateful for, for the opportunities that I've had. But at the same time, many, I think, you know, if, if I'm being quite honestly, I've worked my butt off yeah. uh, to where I'm at. And, and, and sometimes I think about how many other people in the industry have also worked so hard to be where they're at. So I think that if you're somebody that has just, you know, worked so hard to get to where you want to be, you should definitely be grateful. But at the same time, you should never stop. So I'm somebody that just doesn't stop. I'm a workaholic. I love being part of a team. I love talking about the beautiful game and I love to be excited about it because I think that we live in a day and age where, you know, the sports industry has so many tangible things that are happening on and off the field or off the pitch. I feel like sometimes we need to just celebrate it. So that's what I try and do every day, whether it's on Sports Center, whether it's an article that I write, 
whether it's, you know, in Spanish or English or an interview. I just, I, I like to be grateful by showing my work. I never, ever stop. And anytime I can offer some kind of guidance or advice or just pop up and chat to you or anybody else outside of ESPN, it's an absolute pleasure. So I'm loving every minute of it, but I never stop, man. I'm like the Duracell bunny. Let's just keep going, going and going and going and going. <laughs> you, know, you know what I also love too is that it's, it's, it shows in your work. And I also think there's a lot of fascinating people that you've come across during your time as a journalist. Is there, is there anybody in particular, whether it be a player, whether it be another journalist, is somebody that heavily influenced you along the way, whether it was something that they said or, or something that really resonated with you as part of how you cover the beautiful game? You know, that's a good question. Um, and I think that, you know, and I'm not going to try and bore everybody with my overall long story, but I actually came into this industry pretty late, 2015, 2016. I was an actor for 15 years. And, and so my influences come from all over. So, you know, Anthony Bourdain is a massive influence on my work because I, I don't like to just report. I like to build bridges and connect that's why most of my content and most of my stories and reporting are more than just talking about the game, but also about the culture of the game and communities. So Bourdain is one of them. And obviously, you know, my brother, my late brother, Grant Wall, was a massive influence on me. He's the one, when I joined Sports Illustrated on day one, he came up to me, shook my hand and, and said, hey, man, let's make some magic together. He, he was, the, I, I, I joined Planet Football TV thanks to him. Um, he was the one that wanted me to be right next to him to do this work. And I'm very influenced by his work as well. So those two people are really two major, major influences on my work. And I try and always live up to their standards to not just report, to not just write, to not just, you know, um, tell stories, whether it's video, podcast or whatever, but to connect, build bridges. Because at the end of the day, whether it's soccer, whether it's the NFL, basketball, whatever it is, this does not happen without people. And we need to always remind ourselves of that. I'm really glad you brought up Grant and obviously a meaningful local connection here in Kansas City. Absolutely. Uh, somebody that went to Shawnee Mission East High School. Um, obviously, I think the growth of soccer here in Kansas City, Grant played a major role in that as well with that local connection and helping to grow the game. And obviously the success of sporting and now with the, with the emergence of the current as well, you're starting to see, and, and it's a, it's a, it's a part of pride I think locally. Whenever Fox is going to the Power and Light District, whenever the U.S. teams score a goal, and obviously it happens a lot more on the women's team than the year before on the men's team, uh, but you see that type of energy and enthusiasm generated here in town. 2026, Kansas City is going to be one of the host cities for the World Cup, uh, and it's going to be absolutely spectacular. But I, I do want to kick things off. Uh, from the World Cup perspective, let's talk about the game from Wednesday night. Uh, it was weird that first half watching the U.S. women's team that we think of as such as dominant force uh, go up against the Netherlands team that seemed very calculated, seemed to be able to dictate control and pace and tempo throughout the first half. Then all of a sudden you, you, you piss off Lindsay Horan a little bit <laughs> and they're able to, to find something that they were you know searching for. I, I think there's a lot of connections to the U.S. women's team with the Kansas City Chiefs here in town because there's times where you watch them play and it is so frustrating because you know the talent to just explode is there. And sometimes you're just waiting for it and you're waiting for the Mahomes-type play or the Magic-type play. And then the spark happens 
And then all of a sudden they, they show what they're capable of. What did you make of the game last night against the Netherlands? And were there any concerns for you as you evaluate this team moving forward? Or was it just kind of a, a blip on the radar and they just needed to wake up a little bit? Yeah, you know what, Benny? The, the thing about last night's game is it didn't really surprise me because I, I did say throughout the course of the preview leading up to this World Cup that I want fans, uh, US WNT fans specifically, to realize that this is not the same team that won the World Cup four years ago. It's not to take anything away from them. They're obviously so talented. They're obviously one of the favorites, but they're different. They're different because of their youth, because of their inexperience regarding the, the major competition. 14 players in that World Cup in that World Cup squad have never even played in, in a World Cup. So it, it's a massive change. Having said that, they're amazing. They're incredibly talented. They're eager. They're hungry. But guess what? It, it's not a team as experienced as four years ago. And it showed yesterday. And also, here's the other thing that people need to remember, because we're looking at the World Cup overall and all these scorelines, what Nigeria just did to Australia, of course, and Japan looking excellent as well. And then the Philippines getting that win over New Zealand. The margin of difference between the favorites and everybody else is the thinnest it's ever been because the women's game continues to fight for an evolution that's been wanting to fight for a long, long time, right? Regardless of, obviously, the very important storylines regarding equal pay, etc., the talent, the technical ability, the hunger of, of, of these other nations that are not, you know, your France's or Spain's or U.S., whatever, it's getting tighter and tighter. So, like, you're going to see a lot of interesting competition. So, yesterday, against the Netherlands, who, by the way, are also going through their own transition, it was specifically a game that I thought would be physical, which, which it was, and, and, and it wasn't going to be that much of a deterrent of difference. That's why a one-all result, it's not the end of the world, but tactically speaking, Benny, I was disappointed in what Vlad Kondonovsky did yesterday. He made one substitution in Rose Lavelle, who is just the game changer. I mean, she's living up to trying to build up her fitness, but she needs to get fit as fast as they can because she really changes the game in so many ways. Such a creative force, so good providing uh, for, for other teammates as well. And the other component, because one substitute, you needed a spark off the bench, and I'm really surprised that Andonovsky didn't do that. Trini Rodman is an absolute talent, right? And so is uh, Sophia Smith. But I don't think, like, over the course of 90 minutes, those two, alongside Alex Morgan, work that well together. And when things are not going your way, you know, regardless of the goal by Lindsay Horan, after the 60th minute or whatever, you need to do something else off the bench to spark it up. And I'm really surprised Andonovsky didn't do that because you have people on the bench that can perhaps create some kind of spark, aside from Rose Lavelle. So, overall... You know, not a terribly disappointing performance, a good fight from the USWNT to get that point against the Netherlands. But I'm really disappointed in Vlad Kondonovsky on not using his bench as much as he should have had yesterday. How much do you think a lot of that from, from Anonofsky is relative to continuing to figure out what exactly his team is? Right? I, yes, there, there's more youth on this team than from four years ago. But we're still talking about, you mentioned the evolution of this US women's team. How much of that does he feel like he needs to figure out how to tactically coach this team before making that type of an impact or maybe messing with any sort of team chemistry that he feels currently exists? Is that is there a feeling out process for the head coach as well? 
Yeah, definitely. And I think the next game is 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 a very important one as well because, you know, now that they have to face Portugal as well and try and get something going. I, I mean, listen, I think that it was a good lesson for Andonovsky against uh, the Netherlands because now I think he's thinking to himself, all right, number one, we need to figure out how much more we can get out of Rose Lavelle because there's, there's no doubt about it. Like when she's fit, like she needs to start and be one of the key factors here. If the fitness is not there for the next game, then you need to figure out, okay, what can I do in my front three line to try and make sure that we have something going in terms of productivity? Because it's it's a little disjointed. I mean, it's 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 crying out for players like Lynn Williams, Lynn Williams or Elizabeth Thompson. You know, especially like Trinity Rodman looked a little bit tired towards that game. You have talent off the bench. You need to use it. So I'm hoping that Vlaco is more experimental in the last game. But listen. Women's World Cup, men's World Cup, major competitions. You just, it, this is a ladder, not a catapult, right? Like step one, get out of the group. Step two, then you really get going at the knockout stages. So hopefully by the time the knockout stages um, gets going, they'll, they'll be much better and much more cohesive as a unit. But one thing, Benny, because I don't know if you're going to ask me this, but at this point, I don't see anybody better than Spain. They are an absolute force. Um, especially with Aitana Bonmati, who is just an absolute genius on the field. So, you know, we'll see if anybody can dethrone them in this run-up. Because at the moment, to me, the favorites to win this whole thing is Spain. Okay. So I, I, I do want to get back to Spain. I do want to get to some of the other key names on the board, maybe a couple surprises in just a second. I, I do want to have one more question for you, at least on the U.S. Women's National Team, because as they move into their matchup coming up uh, next Tuesday, against Portugal, mm. obviously still remaining a massive favorite. Minus 380 uh, is the line over at DraftKings. If you're looking for a draw, you can get that line currently at plus 475. Uh, or if you expect Portugal to pull off an actual outright upset, you can get them at 9-1 to one right now. As far as taking some more chances for the U.S., right? Because now they have four points, should easily advance out of that bracket. Are you looking for them to, like you said, maybe take a little bit more chances, figure themselves out a little bit? Or this is an opportunity for them to just put their foot on the gas uh, against the Portugal team that you still, still, I think we're still trying to figure out a little bit um, in the early stages of this world cup. What, what's your overall perspective on this game? Do you see it being high scoring? Do you see it being a little bit more uh, back and forth? Uh, give me your perspective as we head into that matchup in the final one of the group stage. I expect a very angry USWNT to come out against Portugal because the DNA of the United States women's national team is to just go at it. I, I've never seen a women's national team from the U.S. to sit back. And I think they're going to want to finish the group with high confidence and finish the group with a win, regardless of, of what happens in the other game. As you mentioned, they, they still look good to get out of that group. Obviously, they're, they're uh, top of Group E, uh, same points as the Netherlands, but with a better goal difference. So, you know, they control their own destiny. So I, I think that as long as you control your own destiny and keep on going... Look, the end of the day, this game is as mental as much as it is physical. And, and, and the U.S. don't want to leave out of this group feeling down on their luck. And also, you want to top that group because you want to make sure that, you know, you at the very least get, I mean, I hate the word, but an easier path to the final. That's right. a very important component. So uh, it's all about momentum. It's all about confidence building. I hope that Kondonovsky is a little bit more experimental with his lineup. And I hope for the sake of the U.S. fans, that Rose Lavelle gets as fit as fast as possible because 
she's the absolute key. I've said her name like four times already, and, and, and it's for a reason. She's an absolute beast out there. She's your Pat Mahomes, my friend, right yeah. there. <laughs> very, very much so. We are talking the beautiful game. We're talking World Cup with Luis Miguel Echegaray. He is a uh, he is with ESPN, ESPN FC, and a variety of other networks. He does fantastic work over there. We're going to take a quick break. On the other side, he mentioned Spain as a team that the U.S. needs to watch out for in this World Cup. They're currently 3-1 to one to win it all. Who are some of the other teams that outside the U.S. women's team in Spain we might be looking at as a dark horse in this World Cup? Plus, got to talk about Messi's impact coming to the United States as part of the MLS. And we'll also get his thoughts on Sporting Kansas City and the current as well. Stay with us. You are listening and watching Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, so I have to follow up with you, Luis, on your thoughts about Spain because their impact and how dangerous they can be, it's it's rare that we see uh, a team right up there with the U.S. women's team when it comes to where they rank on the odds board. I mentioned they're at three to one. Germany behind them at plus 550. You have England at plus 650. Um, France, who, listen, it, it's very hard for me to, to root for France, but I loved what that ad <laughs> campaign was where everybody thought they were watching oh, the good. men's team, but instead it was actually the women's team. So there's a slight part of me that's kind of rooting for France in that sense. Um, <laughs> and there were some some big upset wins too. You Watching Australia and New Zealand in their home countries uh, losing their earlier stages as well. Could that be uh, a, a major surprise in what happens after that? Going down the board, tell me a little bit more about why you love Spain and if there's anybody else that might be able to to knock the U.S. off that mantle, who would it be and why? Well, let's see. Let's talk about Spain. Topping their group, they've scored eight goals. They haven't conceded a single one. Uh, they passed the ball beautifully. They have so much talent, including... Putellas as well, and Bon Manti, who I mentioned, Jenny Hermoso, of course, who got a couple of goals as well against Zambia. They're just such a cohesive unit. And, and, and you know, they were very unlucky to not win the Euros as well. Uh, obviously, uh, we'll talk about England in a second, but they are such a unit and, and so strong as an 11 and as a squad. And when you have a game changer like Bon Manti, like the sky is the limit. Now, the last game of that group will be really interesting because Japan, who are also doing really well, who have also won their first two games, are kind of becoming a dark horse in this, in this run-up to the final as well. So, you know, obviously both of them are already through to the knocker stages because they have six points, but it will be interesting to see how they face against each other. So to me, Spain are the absolute favorite. I, I think they're, they're, they're excellent, but it, 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 it's a long way to get to the final. So we're going to have to wait and see what happens in the knockout stages. And, you know, the other one to me, you know, Benny, I know we're talking about the U.S., but, you know, I'm Peruvian, but I was born in England and grew up in England. So England to me are, are, are my heart in, in that perspective. And I'm hoping that they do a little bit better in their next game against Denmark. They're always a force to be reckoned with, the European champions, of course. Uh, we'll have to see how, how they do as well. And Germany as well. You can't discount Germany. They have started well uh, as well and you mentioned France so those to me are the are the interesting picks but I do go back though to to Japan watch out for them because they they've also started really well so depending how they do against Spain in the last in that last match of the last group stages uh, will de de determine a lot but but those are the ones that I'm really keeping my eye on with Spain being the absolute leader
Yeah, in Japan going up against Spain coming up on Monday, 2 a.m. Uh, I believe that's a, a central time kickoff uh, coming up on the 31st. So if you're just looking to pull an all-nighter, uh, those are going to be two forces uh, going up head-to-head -head coming up on Monday. All right, so plenty of good stuff from the World Cup. Let's move and transition into the world of MLS. I, I don't think I have truly been able to comprehend the impact of of Messi coming over. I you've seen big names make that transition later on in their career to MLS before. Um, you know, certainly Beckham was was sort of that that key influence in, in moving things along. And then Ibrahimovic. Um, and there, there's other names as well, but can you put into context of what Inter Miami was able to pull off? And also with his hot start with the three goals in in two games so far. Is there a learning curve here? Is there something that he's just, we know he's elite amongst elite, but was this even expected from, from your perspective, him coming to the MLS and having this type of impact immediately? Yeah, let's talk about the first part of your question, which is about how Inter Miami made this happen in MLS. Of course, everybody should know the context about how, you know, due to his disarray with PSG and leaving that club and also Barcelona's financial issues, the doors were slowly opening for Inter Miami to welcome Lionel Messi to MLS. It's actually been a project in the works for three years now with Jorge Mas, the managing president of Inter Miami, and of course, you know, the other names like David Beckham, etc. So this was in a way, you know, all coming together for Messi to come to Miami. Of course, Al Hilal made a massive bid, but there was no way that was happening because of the cultural reasons, we have to remember that it's not just Lionel Messi we're talking about here. We're talking about his family as well, Antonella Rocuso and their three children. You know, they, they want a life where they can finally enjoy their father at 36 years old and at the same time, him still able to play in a competitive league. So everything was, all the stars were aligning basically for him to come to Inter Miami and of course, you know, the reported packages that he'll get from MLS as well as Adidas, everything just coming together. So he comes and it's just a massive, a massive, massive message for both MLS, soccer in this country and North America all over. It's bigger than David Beckham's arrival. It's bigger than Ibrahimovic it's for the simple fact that there's so many things that are already happening in this country that are helping catapult this movement. We got to remember Right, Copa America, the South American soccer tournament, is in the U.S. next year. After that, you have the Club World Cup, the likes of Real Madrid and Manchester City coming for this inaugural FIFA tournament in the U.S. And then a year after that, I don't have to tell you this, the World Cup, right? So, so all of these things are just culminating to the fact that soccer in this country is not the future, it's the present. It's yeah. already here. It's massive. So Lionel Messi coming to MLS and Inter Miami, by the way, right? South Florida an area where like you have about 72% Latin Americans already being residents and living there or from Latin American and Afro Latin American origin to the fact that, you know, it's such a big, massive Spanish speaking population. It's an immigrant population. It, it celebrates the hell out of Messi being there. So all of these things coming together is just massive. And then it's the fact that it's Messi, right? Three goals in two matches and an assist doesn't surprise me. Uh, because he's Lionel Messi. He, he's done it throughout his entire career, right? We, we have a saying in Spanish that, okay, Ronaldo may be the best player in the, in the world, but Messi is out of this world. He's, from, he's an alien. He's a different type of person. And, and, and it's showing already. So 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how this develops because there is context that needs to be added to this. Cruz Azul, the first opponent, were not good. Uh, and he only really came in with the last, you know, into the second half. At Atlanta United were terrible, you know, relatively speaking, for what they can do. So it's going to be intriguing to see what happens when they play other teams. But the entire team has been lifted. DeAndre Yedlin said it himself. He's like, this is a different squad now. The energy is there. Everybody's feeling it. Sergio Busquets, by the way, one of the greatest midfielders the game has ever seen. He's absolutely killing it right now. Then they're going to have Jordi Alba. I mean, this is all coming together. Lionel Messi's happy. That's a massive component. The team is happy. And, and the growth of this sport will continue to grow as well. They're 16-1 to 1 to win the MLS Cup this year. What I find fascinating is that DraftKings has already put up odds just for them to win the MLS <laughs> Cup next year. And they're at plus 250. So we're talking about an Inter-Miami team. Uh, if you look at the standings, 5-3-14. and 14. Uh, But now Messi all of a sudden comes over and that changes the game drastically. Outside of Inter-Miami for this year, you have FC Cincinnati, uh, the favorites on the board at 4-1, to one, LAFC plus 550, four hours down I-70 here in Kansas City, St. Louis City SC has put together a very impressive season. They're at 10-1, to one, Philadelphia just ahead of them at 7-1. to one. As we head down the stretch of the MLS season, is there a team in particular that you think is really designed and, and lined up well to compete for the MLS Cup? Yeah, I mean, those leaders that you talked about, since he's absolutely killing it. They're absolute 15 wins. They've scored 39 goals, right? They've only lost twice in the league. So in the East, since he's absolutely killing. And then you got St. Louis, who's first in the West, which is so great to see this new or relatively new teams coming into the league doing well. They have 13 wins. They've scored 43 goals as well. LAFC is obviously a force. They're second in the West as well. Listen, the thing about Inter Miami and MLS Cup in particular is that I think Messi's arrival is a little late i think they're 12 points away from the last playoff spot even though they have two games in hand so they have to win every game and then hope that those last you know dc united who's in last playoff spot loses from here on out but then they have the league's cup which they can compete in and they're in the semi-finals of the u.s open cup you win that you get a spot in the concacaf champions cup so there's yeah. there's avenues for them to win trophies so MLS Cup, no, I, I don't think so. But the other tournaments, you know, that's all you need in, in, in this MLS market. Just win stuff because there's no relegation, right? You can start all over again for MLS next season. So I would, I mean, obviously they're going to try their hardest to, to climb up to a playoff spot in MLS Cup, but there's other ways they can win trophies. And that's something that they should be looking at under the coach Tata Martino. All right, we've only got a couple minutes left. So on the other side, I'm going to ask you about the two teams here in town, Sporting Kansas City going through a bit of a rough patch, uh, and then sort of the rise of what we're seeing out of the Kansas City current. Obviously been a bit of a difficult year, but what they're building and the impact that they're building for women's soccer here in Kansas City uh, certainly appears to be on a grand stage for the rest of the league to be able to follow Fascinating to get your uh, get your perspective coming up next. Stay with us. It's Benny and the Bets presented by PXG. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. 
All right, Luis Miguel Echegaray is with us for another couple minutes here on Benny and the Bets. Let's talk some local teams, starting with your perspective on Sporting Kansas City. It's It's been a rough year, and it's been a rough few years for uh, Sporting. A couple tough playoff losses um, over the, the MLS postseason from a handful of years ago, and it just it hasn't they haven't been able to turn the corner and get back to where they were dominant for a period of time, especially during that 2013 season. Give me your perspective on sort of the core, the makeup of this team, Peter Vermees, and whether you not whether or not you think that they're getting back to getting on the right track, and and if not, what needs to happen for them to get back there? Well, I mean, I'm not the kind of person that will ever criticize heavily Peter Vermees. He's like obviously a legendary manager, specifically in MLS, and 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 obviously, I, I, I'll be honest. I, I think that Alan Pulido was going to be more of a star. At Sporting Kansas City, he's obviously a tremendous striker, but but I don't think it's it's worked out like I thought it would work out ever since his arrival. I remember interviewing him when he first came, and there was a lot of expectation, and and it, and it hasn't happened. But I, I think, listen, it, it, it's there, there's a few issues, and, and some of them are like outside of the control of Sporting KC because who would have thought that the likes of like you know. Austin are just absolutely killing it. St. Louis is, is top of the Western Conference. Obviously, LAFC continues to build. And then you still got the Giants and Seattle Sounders. And even the Earthquakes are doing well. So this is a really difficult conference for Sporting KC. So I, I think that, you know, again, I'm looking at the table right now. And they're not that far off. They're three points of a playoff spot, even though they've got two games extra having played. But they've lost 11 matches so they got to make sure that they tighten things up there as well and then the other component as well is that they've conceded many 36 goals man 36 goals in the league that's, in the yeah that's the worst in the west i believe and, and so i think your answer is right there it's not what you do with the ball it's what you do without it so they got to be a little bit and again i'm surprised because peter Vermees' system is obviously very disciplined off the ball and that hasn't happened but they're not mathematically out of it, and, and they can still push it. And maybe this League's Cup break and, you know, the U.S. Open Cup break as well, you know, will give them time to just readjust things and, and see what's what. And if not, there's next season to contemplate. But I do think that it all begins defensively. Yeah, uh, the 36 goals allowed, only the Galaxy have allowed more goals, and it's really just by one, 37. There you go, they, the Galaxy, they, right. Yeah, they've, they've put the ball in the net a little bit as well, but you're right, The I think the defensive letdowns from a Peter Vermees managed team is, is what's been really, really frustrating to watch them this year. Before I let you go, uh, there's obviously a lot of excitement. The Kansas City Current building their own stadium here in Kansas City. Um, it's also been a tumultuous season on the pitch, given where they were from a season ago, I, I still think collectively in town, the perspective on the current is that of a lot of optimism because of the brand that they represent, because of who's involved in the team with both Brittany Mahomes and Patrick. Um, there's just good vibes with this team, even when the wins haven't been there this year. Um, do you feel like that's the the sentiment that that's accurate? That's even with their their struggles on the pitch, they're still a team that is very much on the rise within the NWSL because of what they're building. Absolutely, because because you got to remember something. I mean, I don't have to tell you this or, or, or your listeners. I mean, in many ways, Kansas City is basically the soccer capital of the U.S. Like it, it it's massive. It's invested more than six hundred million dollars in the sport. 
it's not a coincidence why it's a host city for the, the World Cup. And you mentioned, of course, the stadium as well. Um, there's also like the 1.5 billion state-of-the-art single terminal at KCI Airport. So it's welcoming a lot of people there as well. There's like all these things that are going on in terms of the training ground. Uh, you mentioned the downtown stadium in 2024. So the, this is Kansas City is like, it, you know, like you mentioned at the very beginning, and I mentioned him, Grant, will, Grant would always tell me about the power of soccer in Kansas City and how it's such a community-driven soccer town. And that's an important thing to remember, just like Atlanta did with Atlanta United or the rise of LAFC, thanks to its Mexican-American community. Kansas City is no different. So there's so much room for opportunity and growth. And I think that the more development and infrastructure support that it continues to get, the more it's just going to happen. And, and that's, that's the, the good side of that side of that coin, you know, whether you agree with no relegation or relegation. At the end of the day, and next season, there's always time to build. But as long as you have a city that has a heart of soccer, anything is possible. And that's Kansas City. You follow his work on Twitter, LM Echegaray. He's also on Instagram as well. You check him out at ESPN, ESPN FC, ESPN UK, ESPN Deportes, and SportsCenter. He has uh, had his, he described it differently, but, but I think that's a beautiful mug on your television, uh, on your phone, <laughs> wherever you're consuming uh, KCSN and Benny and the Bets. Uh, it's been better and you've become a smarter soccer fan. Uh, because of Luis joining us on the show today. Have you, by the way, have you been to the new Kansas City Airport yet? Because nah, if you've been to the old one, you'll your mind is going to be blown. It is. Uh, it might be the perfect airport, and I don't see listen. That hey, man, I live in New York City, so any airport outside <laughs> of LaGuardia or JFK is going to be is going to be better. So I'm excited to check it out for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, when you're in town, obviously beers and, and barbecue on me. It's great to see you. I appreciate you joining us on the program today. Continued success and all the best, man. It's great to hang out, and, and thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks to Luis. Thanks to Nick, our executive producer. For everybody, it's the part of Benny and the Bets. I'm Ben Heister. We thank you so much. May all of your best bets hit, and we'll do this again soon. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.